Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square with our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Ready, Katie? Ready, Mickey. Welcome <laughs> to The Square. New, it's a new episode. It's yes, been a little it- while. It has. It's been a quick summer. I can't believe fall is already here. I know. I feel like it's been the longest and quickest summer of all time. Yes. It's like the longest because of the pandemic. And it feels like it's Groundhog Day <laughs> during during the summer with the pandemic where every day felt like the same. But then on the other hand, you know, school started and off you go. I know. Yeah. And it's, you know, been a good start to the fall. We just wrapped up our first ever virtual conference at the league. And I know that at the league, we thought it was definitely a success. So much great training happened, but that took up a lot of our summer. (laughs) Yeah, it sure did. That was basically like building a brand new event. It was uh, a very interesting experience. We learned a lot. And it did come off pretty well. I think um, we were very nervous as a league, as a team, about just whatever stuff we didn't know with it. We should have been doing with a virtual event, uh, trying to make sure everyone's online connections were working. And we had an event app and website and just a lot of moving pieces that we normally don't have to worry about or really work on. And it came off. It, it really went well. We had just a few technical glitches that... Um, that uh, were easily resolved throughout the conference. But uh, I think we were very happy to get the things we needed to get done. We were able to hold our annual business meeting for the league. We are offered a bunch of educational workshops for attendees. And we are able to have exhibitors join us and, and have people talk with them. And we also got some networking done. So in, in it, overall, it was a success for sure. That being said, I think Katie, you would agree we would much rather be in person. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's conference. like twice twice as much work and like a third of yeah. the fun. Right. Not not yeah. nearly as as fun yeah. in my opinion, but right, it was, it was good. Actually, you know, it, yeah, it was yeah. a lot of learning. I think on the league's part and definitely for our attendees. I know a lot of them. That was their first virtual conference they've been to also. So hopefully yeah. it was a good experience for everybody and hopefully we can all be together in person next year yeah absolutely so on that point we hope to get some announcements done here soon regarding the 2021 annual conference and the conferences beyond that Um, so we should have some be able to be able to share some information soon about our plans for 2021 and beyond Uh, but again we we do really want to get back together in person with everybody it's it's always uh, more fun that way uh, some other things going on this fall. We have a lot lined up, actually. Um, no rest for the wary uh, for the league here. We'll be uh, helping with the IMFA Fall Conference in October. Uh, and then our annual budget workshop series will be held in uh, November. That one is going to be done virtually. We looked at uh, the possibility of holding them in person as usual, and that is our preference. But uh, with the continued concerns with the pandemic, we felt like being in a uh, crowded room was probably not the best idea. Uh, so we're going to do those virtually in uh, November. More information will be on our website here shortly. So check that out. And a couple other things, too. We help uh, the Iowa Municipal Attorneys Association do their annual seminar. That's going to be uh, held in November, also virtually. And then the uh, City Managers Association, IACMA, they'll be doing some fall training 
uh, online in October and November. So we have a lot coming out this fall, a lot to work on. And I know Katie and I and the rest of our, our team will be very busy. And <laughs> uh, again, no no rest. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the deal. <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's good stuff. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on on the square today? Well, we are, yeah, we're very happy to welcome Mayor Quentin Hart of Waterloo to the square. Um, very happy you could join us. And uh, we also have some exciting news to share. Uh, Mayor Hart is our new league board president. So congratulations, Quentin. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to, uh, to partnering and working with uh, the both of you and the entire league. And I guess every city across the state. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. So thank you so much for having me today. Well, welcome. All right. Yeah, to so, get us started, yeah, let's right, hear yeah. a little bit about you, Quentin. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Well, I was uh, born and raised in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, I went to the incredible Waterloo <laughs> East High School. Uh, after that, um, I thought I would be a basketball player, right? So I went to a very small school. And did, did you just laugh when I said basketball? No, I was thinking <laughs> you and every other little boy in America. <laughs> That's I what I was laughing. <laughs> I'm sure you're fantastic. I could play well, you in a game of pigs sometime. Well, you probably can right now because of a rotator cuff surgery in May. So oh. you, you probably have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, I ended up uh, transferring, going to Iowa Central Community College in Fort Dodge, then Minnesota State University. Uh, then I went to the University of Northern Iowa for my master's degree uh, and spent a little time at Iowa State uh, working on that doctorate degree that I haven't obtained yet. But I think the question was, where didn't I go to school at? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, my family, my wife, uh, Cassandra. She's a vice principal at um, Hoover Middle School here and uh, three lovely children who uh, my, my daughter, Haleah, is eight. And during COVID, she was creating different products to be able to possibly use. And uh, <laughs> I have two boys, a uh, uh, 10th grader and an eighth grader uh, as well. So, um, you know, family. Uh, education and just been blessed to be a uh, mayor for the city of Waterloo. Wow. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. So one thing that's always of interest to our listeners, um, obviously this is a podcast for city government and people love hearing these stories. So how did you get into city government? What, what got you started? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I, I used to think to myself, I would never want to be one of those people, right? <laughs> I, would never, I never wanted to be an elected official. You know, my uncle Joe was a city councilman, and my cousin Willa May Wright was a city councilwoman as well. And I just never thought I wanted to be a part of it. But after I went from school, went to school, came back, and started taking a look at different things that were happening throughout the community, I was trying to figure out, like, where can I get involved? Where can I be engaged? So I um, ended up um, started complaining about uh, this old um, uh, munitions place that was here locally in my neighborhood. I was looking at housing 
And so I just said, what can I do to get involved? What can I do to be engaged? And um, ended up finally running for a state seat. And it was a new redistrict area. And I ended up losing. So I lost that nomination. Then I said, well, since the person that beat me was a state for state rep, uh, that person vacated a council seat. So I'm like, that's a that's an opportunity. So I ended up losing that too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I started thinking and went back to the drawing board. And I, I just got involved in programs and services. I started a nonprofit. I already worked at Hawkeye Community College for about 18 years. So I didn't do any of those things to get elected. I got involved, so I wanted to be involved. I wanted to help, and I ended up running for a city council seat, and I ended up winning uh, finally, served two terms, and then I uh, ran for mayor. And I had a platform of about five different areas, economic development, uh, neighborhood um, uh, neighborhood associations, um, uh, rebranding the city, vision plans, and then trying to create safer streets. So. Fortunate and uh, ended up ended up uh, winning the mayoral seat. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. Wow. It, yeah, it it's always I I read somewhere once that uh, most elected officials have to lose a couple three times before they end up winning. So I don't know if that's actually all that unusual of an experience, but uh, we're glad that you stuck with it, and it really speaks to your commitment for public service. Uh, so one thing, too, as an elected official, because this is an issue for a lot of our uh, mayors and council members out there, and that is getting educated about uh, the city issues and your role in the council. So in those earlier days, how did you sort of uh, get yourself educated and, and become a, a, a more informed council member and then eventually mayor? Well, you know, it's a it's a multi uh, multifaceted, you know, one you know, you listen to the residents because I think uh, the residents do have a lot of insight on what's taking place. But we also know that some things that may be happening from a resident's perspective is absolutely different once you're on the other side of the aisle uh, elected. So I also listen to staff members. I take a look at what is written. Um, I also take a look at best practices like the league is an incredible resource uh, for finding out how things are being done better in other communities. So I, I reached out to, you know, league officials. I learned, I read uh, the Cityscape uh, articles and just tried to immerse myself with information. Um, I never shied away from reaching out to uh, past council members either uh, to try to figure out what's going on. So I tried to take a multi-approach to um, working on some of the issues and problems uh, that we're facing today, but we're on the league's podcast. So make sure you check out the Cityscape. Make sure you contact Nikki <laughs> uh, and Katie too, when you have um, um, questions as well, because it's important to have that incredible resource. Thank you. We, we promised that, that wasn't the, exactly. We didn't, we didn't pay him. <laughs> but, but also common sense goes a long way too. But oh, yeah. even though common sense may come into me and not to someone else, uh, but what I found out, like a lot of times um, when citizens have questions, um, we may not be communicating as well 
on the other side of being in elected capacities, but trying to make sure we get citizens involved in the process early on to help get that message out to other citizens is, is highly, highly important. Indeed. Um, one thing, too, that I think some of our listeners may not realize or understand is um, Waterloo is utilized with a system that some call as a strong mayor system. So could you tell all our listeners what that really means for you and your city? Yes. Um, when you say strong, you know, that doesn't mean I can flex my muscle. Uh, <laughs> but what it does mean that the mayor... Um, uh, you know, in other cities, you have uh, city administrators, city managers uh, that work with the city councils and uh, mayors. Some mayors are elected. Uh, some mayors are appointed by the city council. So Waterloo, um, we, there is no city manager, no city administrator. So I guess I would serve in all of those roles and capacities. My job is full time. I start um, early morning and last night I didn't leave till about eight o'clock. Um, so I'm involved in day-to-day -day staff activities. I'm involved in making sure we, we move the needle here and move forward, um, as a city government. So it's kind of like being the CEO of a company, uh, in some aspects. Um, we have a council, uh, that gives input on um, ideas. So their roles are probably a little bit stronger than other cities as well. Uh, so it's kind of like the perfect balance in between the mayor can't do uh, things without having four votes on council and the council can't do things without having five votes because I do have the ability to veto as well, but I cannot vote. Okay, right. I'd like to hear what's going on around Waterloo. What are you guys working on? Well, thank you for that question. Um, I just I just did a virtual state of the city um, where it was entitled Waterloo Leads, right? Because when you really take a look at our city, although we were in a COVID year, we still had uh, some pretty good growth in some particular areas. Of course, uh, small businesses and businesses were are being impacted, uh, but we've been very fortunate. Um, uh, we've seen strong building numbers as well. Um, our downtown area, there's been an incredible resurgence. I think within the last 18 months to 24 months, uh, we've seen over 54, 55 different businesses move in and oh, probably wow. to 70-ish that have started and because of more or less personal reasons weren't able to continue. Uh, we've broken ground on uh, probably the second largest theme park that will be in the state, Lost, Lost World theme park. I'm so excited about that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bringing out that inner kid in me. Maybe I'll go. I, yes, because we've been to the water park in Waterloo, and I love that one, too. So I, and, and, I'm sorry. That'll be a fun little trip. We could go to the water park and go to the amusement park. I can't and, wait. And you know what people don't realize as well, uh, our incredible museum district, we have the Dan Gable, the War Museum, the Grout Museum. We have the largest Haitian art collection in the entire world. Incredible. Uh, we have, um, you know, six, seven business parks locally, and we're 
seeing growth in every one of those areas. So it's, it's really a phenomenal time to be um, mayor for this city. So I, you know, I look at it as, you know, the, I'm standing on the shoulders of uh, giants and my goal, my goal is to continue to move ahead. Our convention center right now is going under uh, a facelift and we're replacing the internal organs as well. Um, we uh, had a brand new remodeled hotel, uh, so just really incredible. But but even even one area that where we're trying to excel, Waterloo is a very diverse community per capita, the most diverse. But what we're trying to make sure that we don't just have diversity within our community, that we make sure that we are having inclusive practices within our community as well. When you take a look at our Grove Cedar Valley, which is our chamber, and all of their initiatives taking place at the forefront. When you take a look at uh, our downtown, you can probably see five to six uh, minority businesses within a one to two block radius plus throughout our entire downtown. So we're trying to move to being a, an inclusive community and the face of leadership uh, is changing here. And so we're incredibly excited uh, about what we're doing. And, and then last but not least, making sure that no matter where you go at in this community, that you're starting to see a breadth of life and activity by transforming older neighborhoods and revitalization efforts. So we're, we're not perfect, um, but we are uh, building a, a, a community uh, that's going to be vibrant in every area. So I'm really excited about that. You know, we've seen civil unrest within our communities in addition to COVID. And we just hired a new police chief who uh, is incredible, who's doing groundbreaking initiatives with regards to policing reform and community outreach. So we are we we have that template and we're working it and, and we're seeing some phenomenal, phenomenal things taking place. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. And I want to yeah. move back to Waterloo and I already live here. <laughs> that's so cool. That's really cool when it's your own community and you're, you know, you're seeing that progress being made. Uh, it's just, uh, it's remarkable and it's, a, um, it's obviously a credit to your leadership along with the council and staff there. Um, one quick teaser, we can share with our listeners, we will be going to Waterloo in the, in the near future for our annual conference. So stay tuned for information on that. I can't really, can't wait to get up there and visit. Um, Not me either. Yeah, it's just so much going on. It's, it's just really impressive. Well, I just set the bar pretty high, so we're going to have to uh, re really, really celebrate. So be there or be square, right? You're on exactly. square. <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. Yeah, that was corny. I know. I know. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> I have a moment. <laughs> well, switching gears a little bit, um, you know, you're, now you're going to be adding on uh, the League of league's president uh, to your duty. So what do you envision for the league uh, during the next year? Well, I, you know, I, what you'll read in the, um, the um, uh, Cityscape article in October is I, my goal is, is not to um, change the league, none of, none of those things, obviously, um, but it is to continue to shine the incredible work on what cities are doing. You talk to different mayors, you talk to different um, uh, people that work within municipal staff, 
and to make sure that we continue to share best practices, continue to shine the spotlight on, on um, the incredible work that's taking place. Because I believe that in some aspects as citizens, we kind of take for granted the incredible work that staff are doing. Like here, you know, we have our public safety and through COVID, we have our fire department, our EMS, our police, and they run to challenges that we run away from, right? You know, we have our clerks that are behind the scenes and setting up council meetings so we can do our businesses thoroughly, our finance people, but continuing to shine the light so people know the incredible people that are working within our city departments. And also making sure that, you know, we continue to be an incredible resource to the elected officials that are part of this great leadership uh, makes all the difference in times of a, a COVID situation. So we need to make sure we continue to empower them with the information that they need. But there's there's about three areas which I'm hoping that we can continue to be very impactful. And that is with regards to infrastructure. You know, you take a look around our entire state from roads and bridges, you know, having that unified voice to let our state and our legislature and our federal um, federal um, 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 people know that infrastructure is absolutely important overall to the state of Iowa. And then also, when you think of Iowa, you don't necessarily think about innovation, uh, but we are so innovative, whether it comes from ma manufacturing, whether it comes from agribusiness, but how can we create and continue to be innovative? But then also making sure that the words of inclusion continues to ring uh, clear throughout this entire uh, state. We have so many uh, young people that want to be a part of the process. How do we get them engaged? How do we continue to work with some of our smaller communities that uh, have incredible voices that have so much to offer, making sure their voices are still heard? But even when you take a look at some, some of our uh, cities where they've gone from uh, 100%, uh, you know, maybe one, one ethnic group to now all of a sudden 40% of their entire school districts may be of a different race. But how can we be a resource in having those inclusive conversations to make sure that Iowa is one of the most welcoming places in the entire United States because we're in a competition for people. You know, manufacturing businesses are moving to states that have trained people in those areas. And we need to make sure we continue to have that open door and dialogue um, so that we can prepare our cities and our communities and our collective voices. So I'm not here to, to change. I'm here to help all of you shine the light and continue to be that beacon and that resource because there's no other uh, organization in the state that has a unified voices and bring unified voices together like the league. So I am blessed to be um, uh, president right now. And, and Mayor Lazio has been incredible. Lundell and Nauman. I, I'm just uh, uh, blessed to be in this situation to help support all of you in all Iowa cities. Oh, that's cool. Got me all fired up now. I know. <laughs> <Made it work>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really quickly, I was looking forward to uh, the annual celebration. And because I'm like, man, out of all the times 
not to be sworn in, where there's people around. I know. But, but, you know, I'm thinking, though, in the big scheme of things, uh, and my faith, I don't believe there are any mistakes. And if you take a look at the pivotal time that we're facing right now, the challenges that we're facing overall as a state, um, you know, now is the time for us to be able to play even a bigger role to the recovery and rebuilding as well. So it's a tremendous time, tremendous opportunity. And I've just been thinking about how we can work together to seize those opportunities and maximize uh, our potential, even during uh, COVID times. Yeah, very good. And Love I think it. there's a, you know, an old saying of, uh, with great challenges come great opportunities. And uh, this is, uh, I think, an, op an opportune time for the league to really step forward and add on to what we do. So we're definitely looking forward to that. I think, Katie, there might be one more question. Yes. We have for All right, Mayor yeah. Hart. What would you say is the least and most enjoyable aspect of being a mayor and public servant? Hmm. <laughs> Let me see. Being going to a bathroom and standing there and someone comes up to the stall next to me and politics or no I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, like, really, so. I, think that, I think one of the biggest challenges is the fact that there are so many needs right there are very worthy needs out there right you may have an uh, area that needs um, more housing you may need an area that has public infrastructure needs you may have uh, policing relationship issues, but through all of that, having enough resources to be able to do everything because everything is an immediate need. So it is that strategic planning. It is having people understand that change will come, uh, but it's going to take some time to be able to do that. And having all that money and the resources to me uh, is a huge challenge when you people need things right now. So. That's the, that's that's one of the biggest challenges um, uh, for me. I want to see everyone be successful. I want to see every neighborhood, every person thrive, uh, but we don't necessarily have all the resources to be able uh, to take care of some of the public things that we need to right there. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, what's maybe one of something that's more enjoyable or the most enjoyable for you? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, really, I, I, when I first started, you know, I, I didn't I didn't really balance as well uh, with my children and my family. So that first year, I'm everywhere, right? It's like, is there, are there five Quintons? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but right now, just learning to have a better balance right now and being able to see my children grow up, being able to go to games or being able to go to math night. Um, but that's that's really given me a lot of pleasure, just uh, my wife and my children and just being involved and actively engaged. It's like you go to school and my, my daughter's friends are like, oh, my gosh, there's a man. And my, <laughs> my daughter's like, no, that's my daddy. <laughs> and so just I'm really enjoying taking that moment to see my children grow up and being being a part of it. So, yeah. You know, Friday nights, math contests, those things give me great joy. And, and then losing in golfing now, 
um, a friend <laughs> beat up on me on the golf course, um, you know, but, and then supporting staff, uh, we can't forget about the incredible work they do here as well. So that, that's, that's where I get pleasure from. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's hard to, I think a lot of the elected officials, uh, feel that same way in terms of like, you're expected to be everywhere all at once. And yet you still have your own private life, uh, yeah. family and other commitments. And it's, it's something that, um, in a city government, it's, it's truly a volunteer type of position. I mean, even I know you're in the strong mayor format, it's maybe a full-time job, but it's, um, you know, the, the compensation is nowhere near what, uh, you know, what may be in a, in a private sector. So it's, it's a tough ask, but thankfully we do have a lot of great public servants out there that are willing to do it. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all we have for you, Mayor Hart. We want to say thank you very much for joining us on the square. Thank you for your service. And we look forward to working with you as the, our new president. All right. Thank you. And uh, incredible job. Looking forward to it. Yes, thank you, Quentin, Mayor Hart. <laughs> thank you. Mickey, as you know, 2020 has presented so many challenges, and a lot of them were completely impossible to predict. Just like the big storm that came through, the derecho that hit in August, and it caused so much damage across the state. And so today on The Square, we are excited to welcome Katherine Kuhner from MidAmerican Energy and Joel Smith from Alliant Energy. And they were on the front lines working with cities and counties and residents to restore power and homes and businesses. So welcome to The Square, Katherine and Joel. Great, thank you for having us. Glad All right. to be here. Thanks, Katie. All right, Nikki, do you want to start us off here? Yeah, I think um, really our first question is kind of a simple one, just how are you two doing and how are your uh, all your teammates doing? It's, it's, it must have been just a grueling month of uh, work for you and your, your coworkers. And actually, I should say, Catherine, how about you go first? <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks. It obviously has become the year of expect the unexpected uh, <laughs> from, you know, starting with COVID uh, into our storm season and, and then particularly the derecho that hit us in August. You know, I think it's really interesting that, you know, storms are not new to us, but this was definitely a, a very unique and different storm that hit. In fact, it's one of a kind, uh, at least in the, the recent memory of MidAmerican employees and, and our retirees and our customers. So MidAmerican obviously prepares, uh, we practice, uh, we have a lot of, uh, of uh, resources at our fingertips, and it's something that we are not, um, you know, we're very used to managing storms. But when it comes in at this magnitude, uh, you really have to have all hands on deck and be able to pull out all stops, think unique, very uniquely, uh, be very nimble, very agile, and, and pull in every ounce of resource that you can. And that's exactly what we did is we were able to uh, come together real quickly. We, see, we saw the storm start out west, and then uh, as it moved across our, our Iowa service territory, it just kept picking up more and more steam. And I think that's, that is what is unique as well about this storm, is that unlike a tornado, if you think about, you know, most recently Marshalltown or before that, um, you know, uh, Parkersburg, those were 
kind of one and done, and you could then let the storm pass. You put all the resources into the community. Well, for this storm, it hit all over. Uh, and so we really had to bring in as many resources as we possibly could, and that's exactly what we did. We also have uh, mutual aid assistance that utilities use. So when you need more resources than what you have within your own utility company, you can call on your utility partners from across the company and they can come in and help you. We did exactly that. Uh, so we called out our mutual aid assistance. We also used our sister companies uh, that are located uh, in the western part of the state uh, of the country as well. So when all said and done, we had more than 2,000 people. That's line crews, that is uh, tree crews out on the front lines. And then we had all the behind the scenes support services uh, managing our customer assistance. At the peak, we had more than 280,000 customers out, and it literally uh, was uh, about 120 hours or so we had everybody back on, uh, which was huge, and then we stepped in and we did a lot of humanitarian work as well. So with that being said, considering all the challenges, we are doing great, uh, and I think that's a great um, uh, testimonial to our utility companies here in our state is we are used to storms, but we can also step up when we are expected to do so, and it does not matter what it is. Uh, and we're proud of uh, the work that we do. We're proud of our partners. We could not have done this without the cities. Um, our city partners were instrumental in helping us navigate uh, their respective communities as we did our work. So a huge kudos, a huge thanks, um, and that partnership is invaluable. That's great. And Joel, how about you and Alliance? Hey, thanks, Mickey, and um, I'll try to uh, elaborate on uh, Catherine's from our perspective. I agree with all that. Um, it is kind of in our blood as, as utility workers and so forth. Um, to the question, we're doing fine, and we're really moving forward with a lot of our community support. Uh, appreciate the question. Uh, the appreciation and gratitude, as Catherine mentioned, not only from city officials, but state, federal, uh, citizens, uh, be they uh, young children to our elderly, um, that gratitude and support I know really gave us those extra shots of adrenaline during those unprecedented times. Um, I think unique is a very good word. It's uh, unfortunately being used a little bit more than I like this year, but um, we're there. We really moved past the restoration, and we're focusing on helping our communities through that. As Catherine mentioned, restoring storm damage is nothing new to Line Energy or the industry, but it was really the magnitude of this storm that was unlike anything we had seen. We immediately leaned on to our experience, our training, and began taking the steps forward immediately. I think it might be helpful a little bit here to maybe elaborate on really what we mean by that magnitude of the storm. Uh, the storm, as we know, had hurricane winds. 140 miles an hour and really just took a squat across the state. It was unbelievable for all of us that have seen a lot of storms that worked through them. Um, from the aligned energy perspective, nearly half of all the communities we serve, so 341 communities were affected. Um, wow. That's a lot of rural communities as well. Yeah, these are just mind-boggling numbers. And this, you're talking to somebody that's in his fourth decade working in this industry um, and in the state. So it's just mind-boggling. Um, in all, we had uh, about over 256,000 customers out. Put that in perspective, that's over half of our Iowa customer base. And that re represents um, our urban centers like Ames, Marshalltown, Clinton, and Cedar Rapids, as well as our rural customers. 
um, as I said, it wasn't only surprising to me the magnitude when we brought in these crews from all across the nation in Canada. Um, it was a very common response. This is like nothing we've seen. These are professionals that work hurricanes on a regular basis and so forth. Um, so it's just amazing. Um, for Alliant Energy, we had our crews from Iowa, Wisconsin. They were joined by, as uh, Catherine said, uh, mutual assistance, which is really a hallmark of the electric power industry. It serves effective critical restoration resource for all of us. Um, it's a voluntary program of electric companies across the country who are committed to helping restore power whenever and wherever assistance is needed. And that's what was immediately brought in, um, as in major other major outages like hurricanes, tornadoes, ice storms, floods. And it really enables us as the local companies to quickly increase the size of their workforce. Um, as any of you heard throughout this, we were doing, you know, years worth of work in days and weeks, hours. And you do that with having the skilled workers and the specialized equipment available for these restoration efforts. Um, following the storm, we immediately went for mutual assistance. All in, we had more than 3,000 uh, frontline workers, the line crews and then the line clearance people um, from all over. Many companies uh, came in with hundreds of personnel and spent literally tens of thousands of hours cumulatively helping us bring the power back. Um, they were all committed, as we are every day, uh, the working day and night, the all-hands-on-deck do that. To give a, I'll probably close with a couple just other statistics. Uh, for us, uh, we replaced 3,600 poles. That's about a year's worth of work in two weeks. Um, we strung over 6 million feet of wire. Um, many of you know the National Guard uh, came in to assist those 3,000 crews. Um, here, um, particularly in the Cedar Rapids area, which seemed to be kind of the worst hit, but that's uh, really a very uh, subjective, it was bad all over. Um, we also had significant yeah. damage to the transmission system, which is the, the feeds in um, to the lines that go to the houses and businesses, um, really from Ames to Cedar Rapids to Clinton. Um, I want to call out ITC uh, Midwest, another one of those utility partners that um, Catherine mentioned. Um, for their assistance in doing it. And um, probably in closing, just thank all the city officials. I had the uh, opportunity, my uh, kind of 24-7 job was between Wynn County Emergency Ops, the city of Cedar Rapids, and then the National Guard interface. And um, the quality of city employees, and I know my colleagues that were working with those 340 other communities that were affected um, had the same level of gratitude it was one big team. It didn't matter what company you were from, what was your role in life. Everybody was on that single mission of bringing power back because we knew that was step one in restoration for the um, households to our largest industries. Um, getting the power back allowed so many other options for making restoration possible. So thank you for uh, yeah. giving me a little bit of time here to explain that uh, magnitude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we appreciate you both sharing that, those experiences. I, I think it's, uh, you both mentioned how this is really uh, an unprecedented and unique, uh, that word gets used a lot this year, but it's just so true. It's just um, the unprecedented, unique storm to hit our state. Um, it's, uh, I know each of your companies uh, has a, a lot of experience with storms. Obviously, we live in Iowa. This is pretty much always storm season, it seems like, and uh, you're never really away from it. But, yeah, this was just 
incredible to hear those numbers and hear the the experiences that you and your teams had is uh it's incredible and uh i think all of us thank you for your your incredible hard work to get us back uh to to normal uh we have one more question for each of you and it's really just kind of getting at how you how your companies work with cities the city governments um, not only for storm response, but just kind of working on infrastructure and uh, other things that come up throughout the year. And what what kind of role do, uh, do you all play with the cities and how they uh, play into your planning efforts? And, um, you know, what also what can city officials do to, to work uh, closely with you all? So, Joel, let's start with you. Okay, uh, thanks, Mickey. Um, and I say cities, just like our, our other customers, our business, our residential, um, communication is first and foremost what we want. Um, knowing the planning, we work closely in planning, be it, you know, as streets, new businesses, other things are coming into communities, um, work there. But really, it's, it's a matter of having no relationship where we can communicate back and forth and really can help each other and i think we've got great relationships i think it's um you did mention the weather in iowa but um i'll i'll take the people in iowa with that weather over any place in the in the world um as will i'm sure a lot of our employees um there's something about that iowa strong you know i use the term a lot iowa strong lynn county strong cedar rapids strong during the storm um and it's really true that's the biggest thing so i'd say it's communication Understanding plans, um, they said I was able to work with Cedar Rapids and Marion and Lynn County, and it's really just understanding what the mission is, what everybody can provide, um, and uh, utilizing on, you know, your question of what you can do better. I think, you know, all of us can be more prepared. Um, I think this storm, one of the interesting things was how quickly the communication networks were impacted. Um, so, um really came to that, what is that relevance and going back and making sure we do that. And that's probably it in part of the preparation. We all know that uh, staffing responsibilities can change within companies, within cities, with others, just making sure that, you know, we have those cell phone numbers, we have that, we know the contacts, and just have direct communication, understand what the problem is, um, what needs to be solved. And, you know, I think we're all um, I find it in every one of our customer segments. I find it in my own uh, personal life. We're all doing more um, with technology, which can allow us to have, be more resilient, um, have backup, be it for communications, for connecting with family and friends, as we've all found out in the last, you know, six, seven months with, with COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, just like that, we, we have plans to, you know, we're undergrounding a lot more uh, power lines, which obviously helps with this, adding technology and other things to the lines, um, and really thinking towards the future. That being said, as I often said to the city people as we were working through this, it's just like a city finding the, the new best way to pave streets. Uh, you can't just uh, turn on a dime and have your whole city repaved. So we're continuing on that. Uh, we get better each day, but I think it's really, to me, it gets back to the simple basics of communicate what it is and make sure there's alignment and then it's you know just like we had during the uh, restoration just get the job done we feel privileged to uh, work with the you know 700 plus communities we have in iowa so thank you great yeah that's great stuff and Catherine, how about you working with cities and um things that they could do to make things better and just working with them in general yeah so um great question and i i think 
we go back to partners. We see cities as our number one partner, uh, whether it is because of the franchise that we have established, which creates the foundation for our partnership. And then you build on that foundation with all the services, which includes the pipes and wires piece of our business, but it's also the value added um, services that we bring to this partnership that builds on that foundation that creates that longstanding relationship. So when I think about the value add, I think about the support we bring through economic development. We have a very strong economic development program that we work uh, very closely with to implement to support existing businesses, to attract new businesses, and then to work on anything and everything that affects economic development, whether it's a strategic plan, workforce, or what it may be. And then another uh, way that we support and partner with our communities is through our energy efficiency programming. Um, so that's a big, a big piece of it. Uh, so obviously uh, pricing, affordability, reliability, those are huge partnerships that we like to bring and work with collectively on with our community partners. Another value add piece that, we're, that we like to partner with on our community is, is the expansion and growth of our electric vehicle opportunities. That is the future and our future is here. Uh, electric vehicles are a thing that are, we are going to be embracing more and more and more. It's not a Jetson type thing anymore, it's absolutely real. Um, so it's truly, an important thing that we partner with our communities on to make sure uh, we're developing that well. Renewable, same thing. We know that in order to, uh, you know, compete and have uh, that affordable, reliable, and renewable story to go with it, that we have to bring that uh, in our partnership to our communities uh, to support our existing business and to be able to have that competitive advantage on uh, the attraction side. And so we're proud of our Green Advantage program, which allows for our customers within our electric service territory to claim 61.3% uh, uh, of the, uh, their generation needs are supported by renewable generation in the state of Iowa. That is huge. You put that in with our affordable rates and uh, the reliability piece, that is a win, win, win and our partner the community gets to use that as a sales tool of why people should live, work, and play uh, within their community. So while it's a, a lot of businesses uh, work and partnership is about the, the pipes and wires, we also have that value added that we're much more than that business that we bring in. And then you think about all of our employees who are part of that community. We're very proud of our corporate citizenship uh, work that we uh, bring that humanitarian aspect uh, where we reinvest both financially with time, uh, with talent. Uh, our, our employees, they not only work uh, in the communities, but they live in the communities. They are people's neighbors. Uh, so when they're impacted by a storm uh, uh, professionally, they're also impacted by it personally. And I think that shows the commitment that we have as the utility industry that when we, we have to step in, step, step up and, and lead, uh, and sometimes that's affecting our own uh, backyard as well and the different stresses that brings to it. So uh, there's lots of uh, things that we bring to the table, the humanitarian aspect, the corporate citizenship, the reinvestment to have that strong, vibrant community uh, so that that's the formula for success. And 
at MidAmerican Energy, we like to say uh, obsessively, relentlessly is more than a tagline. It's in our DNA, and it covers all of the work that we do, and our employees bring that customer-first mentality to our partnership uh, with the communities we serve. That's great, and thank you both for sharing that. And Let me just say also that uh, you're truly valuable partners to the league and, and the cities of Iowa. Um, I've just been so impressed over the years with everything that you do in the communities, and uh, you are partners to them as well, and absolutely the part of the, uh, the foundation for any city out there. And um, So keep up the great work. Uh, so we want to share our thanks to you and your staff for all the, uh, the work you've done after the storms, and I'm sure there will be future storms along the way too, and we'll thank you then. Uh, one quick thing too, Katie, where can folks get more information on Mid-American Alliance? They are both um, partner programs of the league, so you can find more information about them on our website. So just check out our website, and it will take you to information about both of them. You got it. Catherine and Joel, thank you very much for joining us on The Square. We really appreciate, appreciate you taking the time and sharing your thoughts. Great. Thank you again My uh, for having us. Yeah, it's great, and we appreciate your partnership and leadership. Thank you.